You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. When we look at the Old Testament and anointing happening, uh, kings were anointed. There was a setting apart of, of their call upon their lives. It was a divine appointment. If you were anointed, you were called for a divine appointment. Yes, there was something that was uh, set apart in that person's life. They were consecrated for a purpose and a task. And so when Jesus says, I am, I've been anointed, I've, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I've been anointed, there was something in which Jesus was called to do, was set apart to do, was, there was something upon him. And we see then him, him unpackage what it was to preach good news to the poor. He sent, uh, he was sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, the, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the, the anointing and the calling that was upon Jesus' life. Yes? He was anointed for such a task as this. In the Old Testament, individuals were anointed. Kings were anointed. Priests were anointed. Prophets were anointed. And in the New Testament, as we look at Jesus and this kind of shift that happens from the point of Christ on this earth, we, when we accept Christ in our lives, we are all anointed. Yes, we are all, we all receive the Spirit of God upon our lives because He has anointed us. The Spirit of the Lord is on you because He has anointed you. What does that mean? He's a, He's called you. He set you apart for a purpose. That's why the Spirit has come upon you. Why, why what else would we receive the Spirit in, unless we were appointed? We were anointed for something. And we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, these words, chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. It says, now it is God who makes both, uh, both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and has put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing uh, one is to come. What does it say? We, he has anointed us. We have an anointing on our lives. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are anointed. There's a calling on your life. There's a purpose as to why you're here. There's, there's a setting apart and, and his spirit has been given as a seal, as a, as a, as an appointment, as a promise that, that you're now belonging to the Lord for a purpose. I want you to say, I'm anointed. That's awesome. That's great. You're anointed. Now we have this anointing and many of us don't realize that it's there, that we're set apart for something. We, we're not just here kind of existing but actually we're called and anointed for something each time we see anointing given in the old testament it was for a purpose wasn't it it wasn't just because god thought it would be a great idea to anoint you for whatever it was always for something it was always a purpose in which we were anointed or that where that purpose that sorry that person was anointed yet those who walk in their anointing transform the world around them so we we may not recognize that we have an anointing, but those who do recognize they have an anointing and are called apart, they're the ones that bring change. They're the ones, as Jesus did, I've been anointed to do these things. And so, because I'm set apart to do these things, I'm going to do these things. That's the purpose. That's the reality in which God has called me into, or the Father has called me into. Now, I believe this, that our anointing can increase and grow. We are set apart. He's put something in our lives but how we activate it, how we move in it, can expand. We can live in an infant state of our anointing, 
But I believe God calls us to step out into the greater things that he has for us. To not live kind of second best or live kind of living in the, the elementary stages of our calling, but actually step into the fullness of what he has for us. We're going to study a little bit of the life of Elisha this morning. Someone who stepped into something greater, but there were some steps he took in order for that to happen. I've often said in church, nothing just happens in our walk with God. If we want to walk in the fullness of the Lord in our lives, it won't just happen. We don't just wake up one day and we are suddenly moving in something greater. There are things that we put in place in our lives to see it us transition from where we are to where God wants us to be. He has something for us that's beyond where we are at right now. And we've went through a ser- series as a church not too long ago, only a few weeks ago, about God has a, a greater plan for us, greater purpose. And in, a, in, in looking at the life of Elisha, we see clearly that, that God has something greater for Elisha. Elisha was this, this guy who tended the, uh, the fields. He, he was someone who was wealthy, but yet God had something. He, he was set apart. He was anointed. God had a calling on his life. Now, if we look at 1 Kings chapter 19, we see first in, in verse 16 uh, that Elijah was called to anoint. He was to anoint Elisha. You see this right in the middle of the verse. He was told, go and anoint Elisha. So there was a setting apart at that moment. You were to anoint him for this. And then verse 19, we see Elisha, sorry, Elijah actually f- fulfilling this. It says, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I uh, done to you? So Elisha left him, went back. He took the yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burned the plow equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Elisha was called or anointed for a purpose. He was anointed. His anointing was to replace Elijah, wasn't it? That was ultimately what the, the, the plan was. It, he was called from one from one situation to another. You know, when we are when we're living our life before Jesus, we're kind of like Elisha just prior to this anointing. We're doing our thing and then Jesus gets our attention. Right? Jesus gets our attention. He touches our lives and he says, "Now come follow me." Right? In a very kind of similar in some ways this is a type of what we see in our our walk with God. Elisha touches Elisha on the shoulder, puts his cloak on him, and then starts walking away, doesn't he? What is Elisha to do? He is to follow Elijah. That was, that was the calling at this moment. You are to follow and learn from Elijah. And so the same thing, when we follow Jesus and he touches our lives and we give our lives to him, he says, now I want you to follow me. We need to kind of stay in step with him, keep, kind of keep up pace with him. But we are anointed at this point for something different to where we are at this moment. Elisha wasn't anointed and then continue plowing with his, with his oxen. 
There was a shift that needed to happen for him to step into his calling. He couldn't continue where he was and be the prophet that God had called him into. So Elijah was called, but he had to surrender to the call. Now for him, this meant leaving his family. It, sacrifice, it was a sacrifice of his livelihood. There was, there was no turning back. At this moment, when he, he killed everything, it was kind of, that was it. Now, I'm no farmer at all. But I think, okay, kind of present day, it would be like setting your tractor ablaze to burn in the field, right? He, he kind of just gave it all up. Now, I've learned thus far in my walk with God is that every time God calls us to follow him, there's always a sacrifice. It, it never comes without us having to lay something down. I've never had God ask me to do anything that didn't require something to be sacrificed to follow. Any change of significance in my life has always come with something on an altar. And anyone who's journeying with God any distance know that's, know, will know that to be true. It requires us to give something to the Lord. The thing that we were putting our hands to, maybe it was something that we, 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 we really loved. Maybe it was something that uh, had a, a first place in our life. God said, I, I want you to lay that down. Now, the thing is, when we start talking about anointing and calling and God's plan for our lives, if we keep plowing, we never walk into the calling or the anointing. We read the books about great missionaries and great evangelists and great people around the world doing all kinds of crazy stuff and God moving. And we wonder, why doesn't it happen in our day? Well, because you're still stuck behind the plow when you should be following the call, the anointing, what God has called you for. You see, there's a transition that each one of us has to make. In order for us to step into the anointing, there has to be a sacrifice of, in our lives of saying, no to me and yes to Jesus. Right? I mean, again, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to pick up your cross daily and follow. Which is, what are you talking about? He says, if you want to follow me, there has to come sacrifice. There has to be a daily giving of yourselves. You see, Elisha didn't keep a back door. We must also surrender to the call and not have a back door. Close the back doors and step into the anointing. You see, he could have kept, you know, his oxen with, with his friends and with his family and said, you know, I'll, I'll be back maybe in the future to, to, to look after them. But actually he said, no, no, no. I, this is a calling. This is an anointing on my life. And I'm closing this door at this moment. You know, I think for many of us, we keep our, our, some, we have, we keep a finger on something of our past that holds us back from our future. You know, for us, when we came to England, one of the greatest struggles I had was selling our house in Canada. For us, that was a back door. And there was something in me that knew if we kept the house, when things got, got bad here, I would always have a place to return to there. And I remember in many ways it was sacrificing something that we treasured because of a call, because of an anointing. There was times that it was hard here, and then the thought was, if we had only kept our house, we could have went back to it. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't have anything to go back to, we stayed here. 
Funny how that works, isn't it? But God knows that. He knows that if we keep things in our lives and we keep our, our, our hand on it, we just, we just allow it there, that when, when problems come or when challenges come in the call, in the anointing, we still have our finger on something in our past that is like a default mechanism for us to go back to. We look at even the disciples, Peter. You know, the, the, the fishermen of the disciples, when, when instead of walking forward into the anointing that God had for them, what did they, they reverted to their past. They went back to the fishing boats. There was kind of a, a default mechanism. And I think all of us have it. We all have something of our past that we can easily kind of move back into. But God calls us to surrender those things. Whatever that is. And it's the Holy Spirit that puts the clarity of to what that looks like for you and for me. See, so Elisha was called, we're called. He, he had to surrender to the call. You and I have to surrender to the call. But Elisha also became a servant. Elisha became Elijah's assistant or attendant. Do you know, we've looked at this a few weeks back in, in our services, but greatness starts in this position of humility and servanthood. He didn't, Elisha didn't start from a position of him being anointed and then being the great prophet Elisha. There was a pre transition process of, of God humbling him, molding him, changing him, him becoming the PA of the great Elijah. Now for some of us, it's a transition that is very difficult. From what we understand from, from history, Elisha would have been an affluent person to have that size of a team of oxen, to be from that family, and yet to give it all up to become a servant of some guy can be a difficult pill to swallow. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's very difficult to be cooking the meals for someone or, or helping carry the bag for someone or you know just doing the menial tasks for someone else. Because for the next season of Elisha's life, he was just serving. The miracles that were happening were not happening in his life. They were happening in Elijah's life. And yet, over and over in Scripture, we see that God anoints people for a calling, but he takes them through a process of servanthood and humility. He takes them through a process of, of having to yield to something greater with no glory to self. But all the while, God's doing something to mold the heart and mold character to handle the anointing that is really upon them. Amazingly, God calls us and anoints us to something. And there's a journey for us to take to go from where we are now to step into that calling. And that road is the road of servanthood. And it's a road of humility. That's what qualifies us to step out in, and move in our fullness of our anointing in our lives. Our, the, the, the purposes that God has for us. Moses, this, this happened, didn't it? We see Moses and Joshua. Joshua was one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. But a good chunk of his life up to the point of him taking leadership was who? He was the attendant of Moses. He was the guy that no one really saw. 
You know, they saw Aaron, and they saw Moses, and they saw the, the, the leaders of Israel. But when God chose a successor for Moses, he didn't look to the others that were, that were the leaders of Israel. He, he chose the assistant of the leader. The guy who actually probably most people would have overlooked. He, he wasn't necessarily in that top tier leadership of, of when, when, when it was appointed to have leaders over the, the different tribes of Israel, Joshua wasn't one of those leaders. And yet we see the attendant of Moses leading the, the, this great nation into taking the promised land. Why? Because he, he served this whole time in, in, in a place of humility. David with Saul, again, a great picture of someone serving in the heart of a, of, of a guy who became a tyrant. And yet he continued to serve, continued to bless, even though he knew he was anointed as king. What a difficult thing. The depth of your anointing will be limited to your servanthood and humility. I want to say that again. The depth of your anointing will be limited to your servanthood and humility. That goes for all of us. If we are willing to walk in humility and servanthood, there's no depth to the anointing and the fullness of what God can do through your life. But the point that you think you are great in your own eyes, as we see again in Scripture, the anointing in our lives starts to wane. It may, we may still function in the gifts of the Spirit to a certain extent, but for God to use your life in all its fullness, in all your fullness, all that God wants to do will start to wane at the point that we see ourselves as something greater than a servant. The more that we can move in this direction, the more that God can do something in our lives, the more that he can see breakthrough, the more he can see people's lives touched and changed, so long as you see yourself as a servant and someone who needs God to be the master. So here we have Elisha called this whole process of him becoming a servant. But then as we fast forward in time, so we're going right from 1 Kings to 2 Kings chapter 2, we see this transition happen. All right, verse 1, here we go. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way uh, from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here and Lord... Uh, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets, prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah asked him, stay here, Elisha. Uh, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I, I will not leave you. So he went, so they went to Jericho. They're going on a real kind of little marathon around the countryside, aren't they? Um, the company of the prophets at Jericho went to, went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master today? Yes, I know. Thank you for telling me again. Um, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elisha, uh, sorry, Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So two of them walked on. 
Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it, and struck the water, and the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground, as you do, right? I tend to do that every time I go for a stroll, hit a bit of a water pan, and just... You do as well, don't you? Of course you do. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before uh, I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horses, uh, uh, the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took up, took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Now, here's an interesting point. What do you do? A, do you build a raft? B, a bridge? Or C, do what you learned from Elijah and hope it works? Then, he chose option A. He took some, no, it doesn't say that at all. It says, then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. Here we go. Times of testing. Is the anointing on my life as well? When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Elisha, in this passage of scripture that we read, positioned himself to receive a greater anointing, to walk in something greater. You know, you and I need to be spiritual sons and daughters with people who go before us, who champion away. There's something to be learned for our, from our spiritual fathers and mothers. Often I've heard that in the church there is a lack of this kind of passing on one to another. And I don't think there's a lack of spiritual fathers and mothers. I think there often is a lack of spiritual sons and daughters. Because for us to learn from those who, who God is moving in a greater way, we need to align ourselves and we need to get close to them. You know, those from IBTI, I think in many ways, this is, this is your moment right now. The various lectures you have, the staff team that are there, these are champions in the kingdom that are imparting into your life. And every time you're in class, every time you're in chapel and you're receiving something, it's just like Elijah positioning himself to receive something from Elijah. If you want to walk in greater anointing, learn from people who do. There's something to be said for that. If we want to walk in something greater, we need to learn from the people who are walking in something greater. You know, it's very easy to look around us with people who are at our level and, and kind of see, okay, well, that's acceptable. I encourage you, church, to look at some of the great people 
that God is moving today. And let's learn from their lives of what God is doing in them and how do they get to where they are. I've always been challenged when I read books of individuals that they're seeing supernatural things happen. You know, I'm always challenged by what they do in their life. And I realize that I'm not there. And so I've got something to learn from them. We can walk in great things. We, we, that, that can, we can learn from people, whether through books, through conferences, but also even within our own congregation. There are people who are walking in greater things than us. And it's our part to learn from them. Have coffee with them. Hear their stories. Grow from them. In our church, we have some people who've served on the mission field. We have people who have seen God uh, do signs and wonders. We have people who've seen God provide miraculously. But do we know their stories? Do we know the journey that they've been on? Margaret Armstrong is one of those heroes of the faith. Absolutely. Her and her husband serving in, in Africa, seeing the miracles. You know, we, we need to get alongside these people. I want to get what you've got. I want to, I want to receive that, what the Spirit, see, I, I want to have that rub off of my life. You know, what's interesting. If we're with people, we become like them. Isn't that interesting? My mom always knew who I was hanging out with as a kid because of the attitude I came home with. How many moms were kind of, how, or have a kind of a mom that was perceptive to that sort of thing? I, I remember mom, she would say, Tyler, you got to stop hanging out with Greg. How do you know I was with Greg? Because you've got attitude. <laughs> but the older I get, I realize looking back, Greg had attitude. And so, you know, I, I would pick that up. And, you know, we pick up the, the things that people around us walk in. And I tell you what, if we want to walk in the greater things of God, align ourselves with people who walk in the greater things of God. Build friendships with these kind of people. And again, we don't need to look too far afield to find people in our own midst, our own lives, that we can grow from. Some of you young guys, you know what? There are people in your lives that you just need to say, can I have a coffee with you? I want to just hear your story. I want to, I want to know you a bit better. I think you'll be amazed at what could be, kind of, could be implanted in your life if we aligned ourselves with such people. Elisha didn't just walk into the double portion of Elijah's anointing by continuing to plow his sheep or his oxen and not be in the, 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 the vicinity of Elijah. He had to be with Elijah to receive something from Elijah. And you and I, again, that's the power of the body of Christ. We need to have this relationship with each other, to be with people who have gone before us, who, who, who have, have pioneered maybe some new things in the, in the Lord, and learn from them. The last thing I want to mention, second last thing I want to mention, as I just realized, I have another two things to mention. Elisha was persistent. He was persistent. Again, you, I, it's one of those kind of interesting bits of the scripture where they go from one, one point, then they go to another point, and they, you know, I, I, God's called me over here. He's called me here, over here. No, he's called me over here. It's like, God, please make up your mind. I'm getting tired of walking all over the place. Uh, but there was a, it was almost a testing of Elisha. Will Elisha be persistent to keep with Elijah? Is there a persistency? You know what? I think for many of us, we can, uh, we can let go too quickly of what God wants to do in our, our lives because we're not persistent enough to keep pressing in. We might pray once. We may pray twice. We may kind of 
nudge it a little bit forward into what we sense God speaking to us, but then we don't see an immediate result, so we can often just step back. When all the while God's calling us to keep being persistent, keep pushing in. You know, I often am challenged by, by Abraham who said, I won't let you go until you bless me. I, there's wrestling with the Lord that I won't let you go. No, no, no. I'm not going to let you out of my sight until I receive something from you. I believe for all of us, God calls us to this persistency, this pursuit of him, that we would walk into something greater. And again, that if you read any person, even current day, that God is doing great things through their lives, you know what? There's a persistency in their life to get where they are at. None of them just stepped into something of the Lord, of the anointing, of the calling, just by chance. All of them pressed into something. They pressed in prayer. They, 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 they pushed on heaven's door. They, they, they connected with people that challenged them in their lives. They aligned themselves with the right people. They built the right friendships around them. They, they stepped out in faith. For you and for, for me, there needs to be a persistency of saying, God, I want to be the anointed person you called me to be. Again, for each person that we see in Scripture who, were, who was anointed, they were anointed first, but the fulfillment of the anointing came after a season of preparation, didn't it? No one just went from nothing and now king, nothing to now something. There was a process of preparing. And for many of us, we're in, the, in that process of preparing. Can God still use our lives in the meantime? Absolutely. But it's a persistency to say, God, I want you to move in me. I want you to, to, I want to see the great things happen in my life. I don't want to just read about it. I don't want to just see other people do it. I want to be the person that sees miracles and signs and wonders. I want to be the person who, who walks in the same anointing that Jesus says, because he said I could. And so until I see it happening, I'm going to be persistent to keep pushing on that boundary. Because when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me, and all that Jesus said he was anointed, we are anointed for the same purposes. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me as well. I believe God tests our desires. And I think the challenge is when we are too easily give up. And I think even in this, Elijah had to persist in following Elijah around the countryside because it was important that he was there at the moment that Elijah was taken from him. He knew that was the day that Elijah was going to be taken away. He knew it because when he was told it, he said, I know. He had also heard from God. And that's why he knew he needed to be with Elijah at that moment. You know, this is your moment. Can I just tell you that? You don't have another life to live on this planet. This is your moment. And either you get persistent now about God's calling on your life, or you're going to miss the opportunity. One day you'll wake up in a bed, unable to do what you hoped you would have been able to do. And so long as you have breath and mobility, this is your moment. This is your time. The last thing Elijah did, Elisha did, is he stepped into his anointing. I believe this last step, it requires faith. When Elisha stood at that, the, the Jordan's bank, he had a choice, didn't he, as to what he did at that moment. Did he move in the faith that what was on Elijah was on him? 
that God, where are you at this moment? I'm going to trust you. And he struck the water and it parted. There comes a point when we need to step into what God has said to us. And that is an unknown. It all, you know, everyone was watching. The prophets, the company of the prophets were watching. They were there as well, weren't they? They were just on the other side of the Jordan, it says. In those moments, when God says, okay, now's your time. Now's the decision for you to take this. Now's the time for you to move forward in that. What do we do? Elisha could have easily just went back to his family. But no, he picks up the mantle and says, okay, God, if this is my time, I'm going to take the first step of faith and trust you on this. And there the miracles happen. And you know what's interesting in Scripture is there's twice as many miracles recorded in Scripture in Elisha's life than Elijah's life. Twice as many. I believe God honored the persistency of Elisha. He honored the servanthood of Elisha. He honored the, the willing to, willingness to give it all up for the call of the Lord on Elisha's life. He, he, he honored all that was done up to this point. I believe this. I believe Elisha stood on the shoulders of Elijah. That's how I think it works. If we are willing to learn from those around us, we can stand on their shoulders. We don't have to go down that same road that Elijah did. Elijah went through some difficult stuff that Elisha never did. Why? Because Elisha learned from Elijah and didn't have to make the same mistakes. That's the value of having generational church. We don't have to make the same mistakes as young people that the older people may be made. Because we can learn from them and we can stand on their shoulders and we can see even greater things happen in our lives because we've learned from them. We've had the humbleness, the, the humility to learn from them. We've had the servanthood to, 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 to be part of what's going on. I think for each one of us in this room, God has something different in store for our lives. But can I just tell you this much again? If you've said yes to Jesus, he has anointed you. Whether or not you step into your anointing is up to you. It's not up to God. It's up to you. It's up to the position that you take. It's up to the heart attitude you take. It's up to the persistency that you have. All of these things are up to you. The anointing is already there. This morning, I believe God wants to challenge us. Maybe some of you are making decisions right now. Maybe some of you are kind of just become complacent. Maybe some of you went back to the oxen when really you should be pursuing something. This morning, God is getting your attention. He's asking you to walk into the things that he has called for you. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I don't think Elisha had an easy life. But I tell you what, who wouldn't want to see the miracles that he saw? Who wouldn't want to, to see the Jordan part? Who wouldn't want to see all of that happen? Seeing God move through your life and having your life impact others. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. 
To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.